Welcome to episode 26 of Miles and Pints, the Travel and Beer Podcast. I'm Dustin Waller. And I'm Jeff Brownson. And together we're drinking our way through this amazing world, one pint at a time. Whether you love to travel, love a cold local beer, or you just can't get enough of either, then you're listening to the right podcast. And that's what we're here to talk about. Our guest today is Stephanie Arbetter. This is the second half of our interview with her. So if you missed the first part, you may want to go back and listen to episode 25 first. Today we get into more of the details about what Stephanie does at Hilton, how she likes to travel, and where her favorite places in the world are. At the end of the interview, Dustin and I will be catching you up with all things travel and loyalty in our Miles and Points with Pints segment, so be sure to stick around. But before we get to that, let's take a minute to thank our regular listeners, because without you, we would just be talking to ourselves. If you haven't already, click the button to subscribe to the show so you don't miss anything we have coming down the line. You may have noticed that one of our former guests, Dustin Waller, is here with me today instead of Derek. Well, that's because we're recording in Dustin's hometown of Bangor, Maine, and Derek hasn't made his way up from Maryland yet. It will be a bit of an odd episode as far as the hosting goes. Dustin and I will be doing the opening, closing, and the travel rewards updates sections, because those are a little bit more time sensitive. But you'll still hear Derek on the interview, though, because that was recorded in advance. But now, let's get to the good part. So sit back, relax, crack open your favorite brew, and enjoy the conclusion to our chat with Stephanie, jumping right back in with how she got her job at Hilton. So I want to make sure to add a disclaimer that everything I say on this podcast is my own independent views, does not reflect the views of Hilton. I am not here on behalf of Hilton. I am here on behalf of myself as a friend to Jeff. I'm excited to talk all things travel, but these are all my personal opinions. They're my personal views. And again, just want to reinforce that I am here as myself and not on behalf of my employer, Hilton. So I turned on my LinkedIn and a recruiter reached out and it actually is, I, it's kind of the, I don't want to call it the back door of getting into Hilton, but I, I started as a contractor. So I started as a contractor on their marketing team, working in social and they put me on the, on our suites team. So I was marketing for embassy suites, Homewood suites and home two suites, uh, doing a lot of our social copy calendars, but it was nice because the the social the position sat within the brand marketing team for suites. So it was it was like really an awesome way for me to get a grasp on the way that uh, marketing Hilton brands. So I did that for probably about um, two, almost from what April 2018 to yeah probably almost two years. And then we had a CMO. She's no longer there, but she had a really neat concept to take social out of working with the brand marketing team and put it in a center of excellence. They're called, it's a COE model. It's actually getting pretty popular across uh, corporations around the country. I think even maybe globally. So they took all of these smart social minds and they put us all in one team together. So it was almost like we were this in-house agency and then the brand teams were our clients. Okay. So rather than have a marketer for the suites and a marketer for the high-end hotels and a marketer for these, or I mean, a social person for all of those, they threw you all together. And then all of those came to you and as a team and said, Hey, can you market this for us? 
Yes. I mean, we still had dedicated some swim lanes of, of brands just because a lot of us were, had already previously been experts in our respective brands. So we didn't give that up, but all this, but it was nice because I went from being the only social person on a team of marketers to being, to working, being able to be on a team of, let's say 15 of all the social minds across Hilton. So the, our work got better because we were able to collaborate a lot more and it really was like an in-house agency. Yeah. And you can ask questions. Mm-hmm. Hey, is this working for you? What's the best way to do this? Exactly. If you aren't sure of something, you don't have to send an email or schedule a meeting across town. You, somebody's right next to you. Mm-hmm. Or it wasn't like, yeah, I've heard of that guy. I think he does social for, you know, Doubletree. And it's like, why don't you know him? I'm like, cause we've never formally worked together. And it was just kind of like a broken system. So I think it made us all really much stronger, faster. So my boss came in, we, we were staffing up my team and he came in at, in September of 2019. And he came in with tons of social experience. He came from New York. So I, that was really what helped me grow. And then that was, that led me to that right when the pandemic hit, that was, I guess, obviously early 2020. So when we actually had to get, I converted right at the end of, I actually converted pretty early full-time. That was 2018. Sorry, I skipped over that. It was insignificant, but I was able to convert to full-time Right when the COE happened, we actually converted a bunch of people to full time because we they that made Hilton realize the importance of having social marketers and experts. So it really helped us kind of like stake our case. And then in the pandemic, when we we actually did have to let go our contractors pretty early, and so I moved from being pretty specifically only on suites. So I was still on suites at this point, and that's when I picked up our Hilton Honors loyalty account to be to do social marketing, and then also our Hilton Enterprise account, so the umbrella account over all of our brands, and then also Hampton Inn. Somewhere along there, I had picked up Hampton. So I, I really expanded my footprint. So now I the brands I manage are Hilton Honors, Hilton Enterprise, Hampton, Homewood, and Embassy. So it's quite a bit. So you specialize in almost everything. Not everything. Yeah, I've never touched Lux. I've never touched our luxury brands. And it's something I'd, I'd want to do at some point just to understand kind of what we're going back to about demographics. I really understand our sweets consumer. Now I'm really understanding our loyalty consumer. But I, I've never really gotten a handle on even for brands like Curio and Tapestry, a little bit more of those like independent travelers who, who focus on the localized uh, hotel experiences. And then Lux, I think it'd be a lot of fun. But I am definitely have I definitely have my hands full really getting a grasp on the our honors our team and who the consumer is and how to market and some of the the program offerings so that's kind of what's keeping me busy now and your social team you all work on all social platforms are there any you don't utilize so there are some that we don't utilize right now we are not on TikTok much to my chagrin I would I would love if we were but we currently are not so we are making a little bit we're trying we're pushing for it just I think I wouldn't be a social marketer if I wasn't always trying to you know get to the next the next cool thing and the next best thing and keeping my ear on what's what's happening with the youth so that's one that we're not on but yes we are on the major so Facebook Twitter Instagram Pinterest YouTube um, LinkedIn and some regards, not for everything. And then we have done some work with Snapchat. We're not actively on it right now with the presence, but you know, we, we kind of, it's funny because nothing's ever off the table, but there's a difference between, you know, maybe we'll use this here and there for different needs as they arise versus something that we're, you know, monitoring and we're checking and we're, me- we're messaging and communicating all, all the time. So I'd say it's like, there's only a few that we're, we're very active on. I think it's just from like a resource capacity too. 
Have you guys looked at Clubhouse at all, or is that completely off your radar? It's not off our radar. I think sort of the beauty to go back to bringing all the social minds together is there's just so much brain power. So we, even if, you know, somebody, if I hadn't heard of Clubhouse, there's definitely somebody on my team who's already been, you know, actively on it, understands it. We can talk about it. Sometimes that person's me though, just because I love social so much. (laughs) But, um, so yes, we are, we have looked at it and there is, it's funny because we keep a big ear to the ground on our community, our honors community and our, the travelers that are, you know, even they, they're, they have their own Facebook groups, they're super autonomous, their own communities, their own platforms. Um, so we, you know, not that we're lurkers because a lot of us are travelers ourselves, but we do like to just make sure that we kind of keep, you know, keep an ear on what's happening and what they're talking about. So they have posted a couple of times in the Facebook groups about clubhouse chats. So I know that there is some Hilton honors activity right now on clubhouse. It's not sponsored by us, but if we see enough of that and we see it grow, then that is something that we could potentially come in and maybe, you know, partner with them or do it, do a special or just answer some questions or something. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And as part of the social team work, do, does your team read the major blogs and follow kind of the pulse of the award travel community in terms of the Hilton Honors program? Yes, we do. So we have a something that I think has been really great is our we have brought in and invested a lot of resources in social listening. So we have an awesome team that's not it's not, it's it's on the broader social team, but they also are their own tools, innovation, social analytics. So we've really invested a lot of time and resources into building out a robust social listening team. So we're listening to a lot of all the blogs, everything you're talking about, but then also manually we are in, like I'm in the TPG lounge for the points guy and different, you know, Reddit threads for awards travel. Flyer talk is a big one, obviously for anyone who talks about travel regularly. So we do try to keep, I'm sure there's some underground ones that we've never even heard of, but I'd say the major ones where the community really like lives and talks we do try to kind of keep an eye on what's happening. And if anything bubbles up, we don't, I would say we don't actively manage it to like where we, where we see, if we see a complaint, we let the conversation happen organically. Like they don't talk. I don't think they always talk hoping that Hilton's lurking and jumping in, but there have been times on like a fire talk, let's say that we have it. We have had historically an active presence as a, the Hilton honors ambassador. So they know that if they have any issues or questions, they can come to us, message us, comment, and we'll be able to reply. But um, yes, the answer is yes. Yeah. And I know that I, a lot of hotels are starting to do that. It's not just Hilton. We saw in the past week or so, IHG did a devaluation of their points. And there was a huge uproar among the the blogs and travel world. And they basically backtracked on it. And I don't think, I still don't think they've come out with something saying, uh, oops, we messed up. I think they're just trying to hope that everybody forgets about it. But it's something that I think is important that if you if you misstep, then you have that opportunity to see it right away much quicker than you would when you look at people just not staying with you further down the road. You can see that people are unhappy right away and, and course correct if you need to. Yeah. I mean, I also, I don't really have too much understanding of how this works, but I know for a fact that our comms team has really, our communications team has a really good relationship with the, the media and bloggers and a lot of our loyalty bloggers who have, um, you know, had historically relationships for, for 
decades probably. So it is something where if we do have a big change that's happening, we can go to them first and sort of leak it. So that way, if we do think there's going to be a huge back, back, backlash or uproar, again, like I, I don't know speci- the specifics of it, but being able to kind of get a feel for it and a pulse first is really helpful. And then, yeah, absolutely. If we um, if we see good or the bad, if we see new programs, people are really excited about it. We're reporting it back on from social. And then if we see a lot of complaints, we're also reporting it super quickly. So across the board. And we've said that for years, those of us in the points and miles community have said for years that before any brand launches a promotion, they should run it by someone in our community because we will tell you if it's going to break three seconds after you launch it because it's too good or if you're going to have to pull it and right. things like that. So it's it's good to hear that some of that is being done now because it will lead to a lot less frustration on our end and on, on your end or on the, the hotels and airlines end if if they start looking into those things ahead of time rather than finding out afterwards that they forgot a sentence in their terms that we will absolutely take advantage of. And not to toot our own horn too much, but I mean, there's really no one in the world that understands award programs better than award travelers, right? Like it's, it's our main hobby to uh, scour these terms and conditions and read them and, and then use them to our advantage. So, you know, other than the people that write these programs, there's no one that knows them better than award travelers. And sometimes, wink, wink, we know them better than the people that wrote them. I, I seriously think so. And, and and as I've been able to step into the shoes as a Hilton Honors marketer and doing social for those platforms and really understanding the community and you know being an active, regular member myself in the Facebook groups, there are a few different ones. I mean, the passion and the... I'd say the expertise and the knowledge and just like the deep understanding of the awards programs, that's unmatched. Like we could work in for Hilton Honors for years and we wouldn't, you know, we wouldn't have the same deep level of knowledge for, for a lot of the, you know, our most passionate honors members. So I totally take my hats off to, you know, really, really would love having even deeper uh, relationships with the members because that is where we can go to for just, yeah, exactly. The feedback and the knowledge and the everything, the questions. So it's it's I couldn't agree more. So you mentioned before the pandemic kind of changed your job and that you've picked up a bunch more stuff. You guys had to let contractors go. It's obviously I don't we're not going to dwell too much on working for a hotel brand during a pandemic because I think everyone knows it's awful. We feel for you and what you've had to do for the past year plus. But I think what I'm more interested in and what our listeners are probably more interested in is, are you seeing that change at all at this point? Are things starting to pick up? Are you starting to see more people engaging with travel? Or are we still kind of flatlining as we start to get more vaccines? We are absolutely picking up. Again, I, I, I've said this before. I'll say it again. I don't want to speak specifics. I'm not here as a representative of Hilton. So everything I'm telling you is anecdotal that I've seen from my own knowledge, my own experience, and myself as a traveler. There is so much excitement right now. It's awesome. And it's palpable. And it's contagious. I think right now, people, the fact that all of these cities are rolling out vaccines to the broad public there is there are is the end is in sight and i think that for everybody is a collective sigh of relief where every you know this term vaccinations has become mm-hmm. pretty popular where it's like what's the first trip you're going to take when you're fully vaccinated and the immunity kicks in so i think yeah not even for the first time like i actually do want to say that 
people were very excited. They did talk about travel last year. It was just a very different kind of travel. It was shorter, you know, shorter distances. It was outdoors, beaches, road trips, national parks. So we really did have to understand how to market travel. And there was some interest. But I think the excitement for plane travel, international travel, borders opening back up, kind of a lot of those like dream trips, those big ticket milestone celebrations. I think that's where a lot of this, um, just like the happiness around what travel really can be and, and symbolize, that's really coming back. It wasn't like last year, just, I feel like we were so clouded in like the cancellation and having to you know, say goodbye to something you've maybe been planning for years and saving for, for years. So now I, I think a lot of that's coming back where it's like, we can start talking about holiday travel outside the country. It's just excitement. It's just excitement across the board. Like when we put out marketing, when we talk, we really were met with a lot of, you know, people that are really willing to talk about like going to Hawaii and just, it, yeah, it's definitely a first and it's only going to get, go, you know, higher from here. Yeah, people can see the light at the end of the tunnel. We've heard it referred exactly. to quite a bit as you said, the vaccinations, but we've heard a lot of revenge travel where they haven't been able to travel for a year. So they're going to get back at the world and get out there and travel twice as much. Or I think a lot of it, frankly, is people are have still been spending money and still earning points on their credit cards and they're ready to take trips and they have more points than they've ever had from canceled trips and they can splurge and go to a nicer place and stay at some of those luxury brands that you don't play with quite as much. But that's that's where they're going to be spending their points to get that extra luxurious special vacation, like you said, for those milestone trips. It's exciting to see and it's exciting. We've personally talked about booking some stuff. We have Derek and I have a trip coming up in a couple of weeks. And the the more we look at it, I feel like my wife every day she comes and she's like, maybe we should go this way it's in June. Maybe we should go here in July. She Last night she was like, we should go to Ireland in July. I said, I don't think Ireland's going to let us in in July. And she's like, oh yeah, I forgot. <laughs> so she's, she's getting very excited. Yeah, absolutely. I actually have, I'm supposed to go to Tel Aviv in July for actually for, yeah, right. The first week of July. And as of now, I mean, it's on. No one has told me to cancel it yet, and I'm keeping it. I actually kept London and Prague last year until December 22nd. Like, I was the last person to cancel my international trip. I was holding on. Uh, everyone told me to cancel. The only reason why I didn't is because Delta – I worked, I booked through Chase, and Chase said if Delta cancels the flight, then I get a full refund. But if I cancel it, then – I get the points, I guess, as a voucher. So I was hoping that Delta canceled the flight and then I just got it as a voucher, which is fine because kind of to your point where people have been spending money on their credit card, a lot of people also have big these big ticket trips. You know, I have like vouchers to three airlines have canceled mm-hmm. and I've got all these points, you know, that I got as a refund. So yeah, it's like kind of burning a hole in my pocket too. But I'm think I'm thinking big for the second half of the year, as big as I can. So things are looking up the um, clearly not uh, official response from Hilton, but the response from Stephanie herself and from Derek and from I is get excited. There's going to be travel. (laughs) Hopefully soon. Hopefully soon. Yeah. And I would say, yeah, I would say too, um, you know, there are countries like I believe Croatia open. I think this whole idea around this vaccine passports, again, I'm not too well versed in it, but I think that might be able to give people some freedom in traveling. I've seen some countries, you know, here and there opening back up. So even if it's not sweeping across the board, I think, you know, within the next few months, definitely by the fall, if you want to get out of town and cross the border, there there will be an opportunity to do so. so. Yeah, we're seeing a lot of countries already saying that 
if you have the vaccine, you don't have to quarantine when you come in as long as you do a negative test when you first get there. So exactly. A lot of excitement going forward. Yeah, exactly. One last thing I want to touch on with the Hilton side of things, and I don't even know if you're allowed to tell me this or not. But people always get excited about people with airline or hotel jobs about the the travel benefits that they might get. And you mentioned offline to us that you're working and you don't get to travel as much as you would like to travel because you're working. But do you get any cool benefits being an employee of Hilton when you stay at, at your brands? Um, no, I'll actually correct you. I didn't say that I don't get to travel as much because I'm working. I Hilton's very generous about, around PTO. It's just that I, I don't travel for work. Oh, okay. My mistake. Okay. <laughs> I only only because I want to give them a nod to how much PTO and they really are generous with it. And we do have the chance to travel for leisure. But I did think in, you know, in three years, well, one of them being a pandemic, but I've only been on work, one work trip ever. So it doesn't require that much travel for the job. That was the only thing. Because a lot of what you do um, is online. So there's exactly you can do that exactly. anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, especially now everyone's super technology, you know, everyone's super savvy in that way. So there is a Hilton program that, that gives team member perks. It's not a secret. It's called Go Hilton, and I love it, and I've definitely been able to take advantage. And I have a friends and family program that I can give to both of you guys. Yay. And actually, what's really cool is, yeah, absolutely. After this, we'll have to, we'll have to sync up. <laughs> Double thumbs up. <laughs> And it's not, this is not empty words. Like Hilton did a really awesome job where they actually upped the amount of nights that we can, um, we can gift to friends and family. So it's a, it's a very generous number and Hilton really encourages team member travel and friends and family travel. The only thing is it's dependent. It's not guaranteed. It's dependent from my understanding on supply and demand. So if you're trying to go to, you know, New York city, and watch the ball drop New Year's Eve. You're not gonna get the team member rate. Mm-hmm. But if you if you go and you, you know, don't mind, you know, a little bit of like off off season or you know odd week hour weekday weekday nights, then you do have higher higher likelihood of finding a rate. So just you know, sometimes for me, it takes playing with it, searching around. I have team members who like they'll sit on the website and just see like where what they can find the next few months and where they can go. So. Uh, it's great. I mean, we, we all take advantage of it. We love it. My friends and family love it. So it's kind of like what we do do with award tickets. Like you sometimes don't know where you want to go on a trip, but if you find availability to somewhere, you might go there just cause you can. Exactly. Exactly. That was, I actually found St. Lucia for $50 a night for my 30th birthday. And so of course the flight gets you, but it was really cool to stay in a nice waterfront property for on the team member rate for my birthday. So it was, you know, it's, I've definitely been able to have some great travel experiences that I would not normally have through Hilton. It's awesome. I have a couple of uh, Hilton famous properties coming up in my travels. Had to cancel my 40th birthday trip to Sicily in May. Oh no. So, but we're going to Palm Springs. So we're getting to knock off uh, the Waldorf Astoria La Quinta and uh, I think that's in Palm Desert. And then we're flying back out of San Diego. So we're going to spend the weekend at the Hotel Del Coronado. So really looking forward. That's a historic, famous property. And looking forward to uh, using a couple of Hilton free night certs there. So I've got two comments. One, La Quinta has 41 pools. You must go to all 41 pools. Wow. 
Uh, yeah, I actually posted about it on our one of our my first post when I took over the honors Instagram, and I included that in the caption. And all my coworkers thought it was a typo, and they all start texting me. My coworkers, like people that we, you know, we all theoretically should be experts on our properties, and they were like, Stephanie, we know that you just took over the Hilton Honors, and we know you're excited, but no property versus 41 pools. And I was like, no, 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 no. I saw it. That is a real fact. And then it turns out that The Bachelor actually taped, they recorded at that property. So the cover of Us magazine was, you know, like uh, The Bachelor staying at La Quinta Waldorf in their 41 pools. And it was just like a wow. funny, funny full circle. So anyways, it's a great property. It's gorgeous. Second, I'll say, can you tell I'm excited about all of our hotels? Uh, the Del Coronado, one, an article I did around Halloween last year for our blog website. I did a little bit of writing and the Del Coronado is famously haunted. It's like Kate Morgan's ghost and there's a whole ghost story experience around that. And there's a book you can buy at the, 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 the gift shop. So if you're at all into history and ghosts and scary experiences, you should um, try to check that out too. Awesome. I'll definitely report back to you how our stay is. I'm, I'm looking forward to both properties. Yeah, they're great ones. You chose really well. And here's a little spoiler alert. It's at the end of the book if you were to buy it in the gift shop. But the only way to avoid being haunted when you're there is to have previously been in all 41 pools at the oh, first right. hotel, at, the, at the La Quinta. <laughs> I, didn't know, I didn't know where you were going with this. I was like, you've read the book? And I was like, what are the odds? Uh, okay. yeah, so right. look forward to a, a Facebook Live or a YouTube Live or something of Derek hopping in all 41 pools. I'm, I'm excited for pools. it. You don't have a choice if you're gonna go. If you're gonna go to La Quinta, it's our famous 41 pool resort. And that sounds like a full time job, honestly. We're, we're only there three days. So. You should probably get a little chalkboard so that you can just write number one, two, three to get your full Instagram. Yeah, a yeah, reason why I, I wasn't a math major is because I don't even know what 41 divided by three is. I'm like, how many is out a day you have to hit? It's more than two. Yeah. <laughs> We have three days at La Quinta, and then we're scheduled to go up to the JW Marriott to uh, burn a couple of 50K certs, so maybe we need to cancel that because I'm not getting to 41 pulls in three days, I can tell you that. Hey, then that gives you more reason to go back, right? Exactly, yeah. Really looking forward to that trip, but really, um, I'm very, very excited, especially about the Del Coronado because I've heard so many Gorgeous. great things, and I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a history nerd, so yeah, looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. So, Stephanie, we've talked a lot about your work background, your job, which, I mean, it's really kind of cool for us as award travel geeks to have someone who actually works at one of the hotels on the podcast. So that's why we probably went a little deeper into that than a lot of people would. But I want to talk now, I want to shift over and talk a, a little more about your personal travel, because you said you do get some decent time off. I know I've talked about many trips with you in the past. You've traveled pretty extensively through the U.S. and some internationally. But tell the listeners what your travel style is when you get to go on your own. Are you typically uh, on your – do you travel solo? Do you travel with family as a group? Are you a luxury traveler? Do you travel frugal? How? What's, what's your ideal way to vacation when it's on your time? You know, I I really want to take a solo trip. I have not taken one yet. I had to book and cancel one, so it is on my radar to do, but I am I have traveled a big one for me is traveling with friends for a long weekend. I would say that's kind of my ideal group a, a small group trip, you know, four to five people, maybe you know, three friends finding somewhere that you know, you're all kind of equally excited about. Everyone does a little bit of research. 
I've done Sedona that way. We did Stowe, Vermont that way. I've been to uh, Portland, Oregon. I mean, you, you name it, just, you know, picking really kind of fun, cool cities. And Montreal, I actually did. I went to a friend's wedding and then extended that for the weekend. So I really love to go to places that I don't know much about and going with, you know, a couple of other people. And, and it's, oh, it's always the hard part to find people that are just kind of travel minded, the same level of, you know, they want to go and do the activity level and money is always a little bit of a conversation. And I think it's really important to be on the same page with a budget beforehand. So, you know, I'm just as happy in, you know, luxury trip. Speaking of JW Marriott, I went with three friends to Chicago. My friends, I wasn't at Hilton yet. I was, uh, my friends, she did have friends and family. She had an opportunity. We stayed there. It was beautiful. We had this awesome trip. It was, I call it like, it was like a foodie, a foodie weekend. We hit every foodie spot. So, you know, I kind of, we kind of, um, you know, I, I like to, to tailor it according to who I'm going with, but truly just as happy, you know, in an Airbnb in Rehoboth, which I did last, last, um, summer in the pandemic with a couple of friends. It doesn't, to the short answer, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I really do want to experience every kind of travel, every trip, every accommodation within reason. I'm not a camper. Um, but I, I really do love to just kind of like experience it the way that it was meant to be experienced. So everyone talks about architecture and food in Chicago. We did the riverboat architecture tour and we did a little bit of nightlife and a lot of food and, you know, Sedona, a lot of hikes, a lot of, you know, also really good outdoor food talk, you know, beer drinking in in Stowe. Those are the ones that come to mind, but I could give you a whole list. I just, it, I think it's a, three days to me is like the perfect, the perfect amount of time to really kind of get a grasp on a, a new city and figure out where you want to go back for a longer stay. The last trip that I have not been to Boston or San Diego, those were the two that I actually had on the deck on the radar when, right when I had to cancel the, uh, when the pandemic hit. But, um, I would, yeah, that's kind of my, my, my long answer on the kind of traveler I am. I always get sad when I talk to people about travel to Chicago because you mentioned that some great rest, the great restaurants there and being a foodie and eating there. And you mentioned the architectural boat tour. And I've been to Chicago, like I can't even count now, probably six or seven times. And every time when I book the plane tickets, I'm like, I'm going to do that boat tour this time. Have not been on it yet. <laughs> No, you have to do the boat tour. It's the best part. Like it's one of those cities that I'm so happy to be a tourist and like do all of the cheesy tourist things because, because that's, you just, there's such an appreciation for the history and the architecture of Chicago. Mm -hmm. Um, like I'm going with my boyfriend next month to New York city and we both haven't done the nine 11, uh, tour, the Memorial. So I do try to make sure like, even if I'm going somewhere that I've been, a million times that you, you do, you know, it's, it's fun to leave in something new and a new experience and kind of wearing your tour. Yeah. Find the new thing. Yeah. Wearing your tourist hat, even though you feel like you've like done it all. So I still haven't been to that memorial either, honestly. And I mean, my, they, we were there that day. I was in Jersey. My wife was evacuated from Manhattan by a boat. So it's a little emotional for her to go back, but I would very much like to see it. I'm not sure if she would or would not. It, it might be tough for her. But uh, again, New York, we've been there. Right, exactly. I don't know. Pre-pandemic, we at least a couple of times a year. And we just never made it Exactly, there, so. yeah. Yeah, got to do that. W- one of the best uh, one of the best memorials I've ever been to. I hear great things. I mean, not great, like great in a fun way, but moving. Yeah, just moving. Mm-hmm. You know, moving. They, they did an incredible job of capturing the moment. Exactly. For so many 
people and uh it just it's it mm-hmm. takes your breath away it really does so i maybe need to do a tour of america once i can start traveling a little more and just do the things that i never did at places the stuff that i've left out and then go swim in 41 pools well you know i lived in st louis for a summer in college i interned there and i and it's almost a badge of honor to me that i didn't go to the arch all summer but i'm like at this point I just went up the arch last week. Yeah, but at this point, I'm like, maybe I'll never go. Like, that'll just always be my thing that I just, I lived in St. Louis and I never went to the arch. Like, it's embarrassing. I just, I didn't do it and I'd love to weirdly brag about it. (laughs) I was there for two nights and I went to the arch the first day. So when you go to, when you do the 9-11 memorial, when you do the riverboat architecture tour, I'll do the arch. How about that? All right. Sounds good. Good deal. I feel like there should be a wager on who can knock that off first. Well, he's got more than me. He's got two times as more. So yeah. doesn't matter. You could, we'll make that you, you wager. Yeah, we'll make that wager official when we see that chalkboard with a forty-one written <laughs> on it in the pool. It's gonna. We're gonna have to have a an, a year podcast anniversary or like. What did we do in the past year? Did we do everything that we said we were gonna do? Did you, you know? make it to your challenges? Yeah, exactly. If there's anything everyone should know about me, it's I'm the most competitive person on the face of the earth. So. Now that I've been called out, I just I just found out about 41 swimming pools, what, 10 minutes ago? It's going to happen, okay? I will, I will report this. back. It is going to happen. <laughs> Poor Sarah's going to be small. like, can, can we just lay down? I just want to lay down by the pool. you be like, <laughs> like, no, got to go have a to take quarter pictures. mile to the next <laughs> pool. <laughs> 37 more pools. Well, I think there's, so you know how I think there's a, I think there's a place in Italy where it's like you can be in a few different, like you know, regions. It's like, I don't know if it's like Cinque Terre. There's something where you, I'm butchering this and I'm sorry to Italy is the whole region, the whole country, but there is a place where you can stand and you're like in five different places at once. I do think that these pools are so small. You could potentially like be in three of them at one time. Like they're just so small. Oh, that's easy. a new so, challenge. Yeah. It's now, like it's, <laughs> now this has just become easy. <laughs> Perfect. I've butchered all of this, and I'm I'm gonna have to do a lot of research to be pre- better prepared on talking about Cinque Terre and La Quinta for the next interview. But I do think there's strategy there. Is all I'm, I'm gonna get to this hotel, and like the first two pools are gonna be like half a mile apart, and then it's gonna be like, <laughs> yeah, you got to take a 25 minute Uber ride to pool number three. Charge me for the Uber. So, I think what you have to do is you have to take a sip of beer for each pool, and then every fifth one you have to finish the beer. And go for the smallest ones last, so you can just fall down in the last three. Day drinking in the desert when it'll be about 100 plus degrees, that could be problematic. You've got pools. True. I I may not be in them, though. I'm just going to be running between them. (laughs) (laughs) That is a hilarious image. I can only imagine. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. I have faith. And I will report back. Absolutely. In the, in the or where, maybe I'll make the news and everyone will hear about it. You have to report back in the Where Are They Now podcast episode we do next yeah. year. <laughs> I'm probably in jail in, uh, in Palm Springs, whatever the county is there. That would be fun. Mm-hmm. We could do an episode like 10 minutes with each guest, just a quick update with the breweries and see how they're doing out of COVID and with our other yeah. guests and see how they've done on their travels. Yeah. I think genius. Great. Genius. Hey, you should maybe do a podcast. You're really good at this. Should I do marketing for content? Apparently. (laughs) Apparently, apparently you should. All right, back to your travels. Uh, A quick numbers game. Do you know how many states, how many countries you've been to? No idea? I have no idea. I truly don't know. If I I had to guess, I would say... Not 41. 30 states. 
maybe more. You're just making maybe, numbers up. Maybe 35. <laughs> this isn't I helpful done, at all. Never mind. Of, <laughs> I take back my question. <laughs> I think 37. That's my final answer. I think 37. Okay, let's talk about some of your favorites. You mentioned, um, I mean, we've already talked about some of these. You're a, a big fan of Spain. You've mentioned a couple of spots in the U.S. Is there anything that we didn't touch on before? I asked it this way before, I think, when, when Charles McCool was on the podcast, and he was like, oh, that's a really good way to ask it. So I'll, I'll try it again with you and say, is there anywhere that you can think of that you've been that you think our listeners need to see? Something that is so whether it's a, a specific site, the food, a destination as a whole, someplace that you would say, this is a place you have to make it to. Yes, 100% yes. So I'm glad you asked that. And that was a very great way to ask it. And I, I agree with Charles McCool. So this is a funny, embarrassing story. When, when I was studying abroad in Barcelona, also I'm in, I'm in half of a beer. So I'm really, this is, this is like when all of the, the talking comes out as if I wasn't just talking for the last hour and a half. So I told my parents that I told them I had gotten the internship at it's Nestle Purina is where I worked in high school, in college, sorry, is at my college internship that was in St. Louis. So I was studying in Barcelona and my parents were coming to visit me and we had all been as a family to Barcelona and a little bit in Spain together. And I had obviously traveled through Spain when I was in high school. So my parents didn't feel a huge need to come all the way to visit me and then do more Spain. So we were trying to figure out where we wanted to go to, uh, as a family when they came, they came at the very end of my program. So I had just gotten into this, this call, this internship and we were doing some research on Nestle. And my mom was like, the international headquarters of Nestle is in Vevey, Switzerland. What if we made a trip around Switzerland and checked out there was some museum as like a Nestle museum so you can learn a lot about Nestle I mean th- again it's like how I was like oh one day I just went and got a master's at Georgetown one day we just went to Switzerland to the Nestle headquarters you're like okay mom um, that sounds good so let's go there I was like and then all summer my mom was like did you put the picture of you at the Nestle headquarters on your desk and your internship and I was like no I did not tell anybody that I went um, they but would I'm telling think I was them a now. psycho mom I did not do that they would think I was crazy so the best part of it is that we actually uh, started in Geneva and we ended in Zermatt, Switzerland, where the Matterhorn is. But there is a train where you can send your bags on the train to Zermatt and it's, they keep it there for you. So we had the whole day on Lake, uh, along Lake Geneva in Switzerland to hop on, hop off and experience every small Swiss town. And there was a tulip festival in Montreux, Switzerland. So when I say that we went to all of these adorable, quaint towns on Lake Geneva, we ate amazing fondue. We, it was, you know, gorgeous tulips. The whole, this whole area was in bloom. And it was the happiest day of my life. Like, it was so beautiful. And, and, and it wasn't even, it wasn't super pricey because you're paying for the train ticket and then you're just wandering around and taking pictures and you've got the Mount Swiss mountains and you've got the water. I mean, it was, it was perfect. That sounds so. amazing. And they were sh- they were like old historic. Talk about loving history, like old historic uh, chalet, like castle, you know, kind of chalet areas. And you were learning about history and the people who lived there at the time. So a little something for everybody. I mean, you had cool. me at tulips and lake. It was beautiful. If you put those near each other, amazing photos, beautiful relaxation. It was and the train travel was awesome because you're seeing all the scenery as you're going. So it's just it truly was like it was just perfection. Mm-hmm. Sounds like I need to book a 
trip to Switzerland ASAP. And I wanted to add St. Sebastian after hearing you talk about that because Spain has been so high on my list. Yeah, it's the best. If only Europe were open. I know, I know. (sighs) One of these days. But Switzerland and Spain are high on the list for me, so now I know where I'm going. Zermatt, Montreux, and San Sebastian. If you do San Sebastian, I'm going to make a plug to hop the, go a little north and go to a town in in France. It's the southern coast of France on the tip of Spain. It's called Biarritz, and it's where all of the royalty used to vacation. So it's also like beautiful palaces right on the water, and it's all this French food, these bistros. So it's like, it's like this town that's like frozen in time. Um, no 16 year old. Like, why did I experience all this at 16? But it's, it's forever cemented in my mind. Um, so yeah, I get, this is how, this is why I'm in travel. Cause I get, I get so excited, but do sit San Sebastian and Biarritz in one trip. If you can, it's a day trip. I distinctly remember the summer, my 16th birthday. I worked, uh, as a stalker at Kmart. Yeah. I was a lifeguard too. I was a lifeguard. <laughs> not, not as entertaining as your summer. I'd have much preferred to have been in Spain and France. I worked at a That's pizza cool. shop. So it's, I mean, kind of like being in Italy, maybe. Yeah, uh-huh. The same. It was yeah, the same. Yeah, exactly the same, Jeff. <laughs> Jamie's Village Pizzeria. That sounds Italian, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the overarching uh, theme of this podcast is... Europe needs to open. Are you ready for it? Yeah. Number one, Europe needs to open. Number two, Hilton did an excellent job hiring Stephanie and not hiring either of us. Uh, either of us. Yeah. And three... Everything needs to open so we can get together and have cocktails on the roof somewhere in D.C. Yes. That is, you nailed all 100%. the things. 100%. But not yes. in July or August because it'd be miserable on a rooftop. That's true. Unless you're yeah. at the... Hmm. there, I think there are a few rooftops that have some pools, so we could potentially... That's true. That is true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It can be practice for Derek. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 41 pools. Here we come. I can't wait to hear about it. All right. And I... <laughs> I think maybe we've reached the point where that's enough of torturing Derek. So we'll close up here. I know that you are doing social for Hilton. You have your own personal accounts. We have, there's this whole tipsy tips DC thing, which we never even got to talk about. So now's your moment to shine and quickly tell us where people can find you online, where they should look if they want to see the uh, um, amazing marketing tweets and genius of Stephanie Arbetter. So thank you so much. That was a very flattering way to lead it, uh, tee it off. But at Starbetter everywhere. So at Starbetter on Instagram, it's it's exactly how it sounds. S T A R B E T T E R. It's a combination of Stephanie and Arbetter. So Starbetter on Instagram, on Twitter, Gmail. You can email me if you have any questions. That's I'm, I'm being honest. I'm you know DMs are open, emails open. LinkedIn, just it's my name, Stephanie Arbetter, but I, I'm very public everywhere. I don't have anything to hide. It's me geeking out about travel and social media pretty much everywhere and then random musings on life. So I would say if you want to find me, just Twitter and Instagram at Starbetter and then Gmail if you need anything. Fantastic. And I like to believe, and I, I understand this is probably not true, but anytime I see a really cool tweet from any of the Hilton brands, I like to believe that you wrote it. And don't tell me that you didn't. I'm just going to keep believing that. Thank you. So thank you so much for making time to sit with us and have a have a beer and chat 
and take time out of your day to chat about travel and beer and get us excited about Europe for when it opens up and all of this fun. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This was great. And I really can't wait for all of us to get together in person and continue geeking out. It's always so much fun chatting with Stephanie, and I am here now with Dustin, who I don't think knows Stephanie, do you? I do not know Stephanie, no. So we'll have to make sure to get you guys together next time you come down to the D.C. area. Absolutely. But Dustin and I are going to run through some updates in the travel and loyalty world in our Miles and Pints with Points segment. And we're going to start it right off with credit cards, and I'm going to throw it right over to you, Dustin, because you're probably more of a credit card expert than I am. And let's talk about uh, the changes with American Express this week. So I think American Express had made a really good move recently when they increased the credit card limit from four up to five. Because if you remember last year, if you didn't know, back in 2020, around the May time frame, American Express reduced the number of credit cards you could have from five down to four, really throwing people for a loop. But as of recently, it looks like the data points are coming back, showing we can now have five cards again. Yeah, and that's something they did. I think it was because they were just trying to limit a little bit of their liability with not knowing what was going to happen with the pandemic. So I think it's a good sign from American Express and from the banks seeing that they're thinking we're going to start coming out of this. Oh, totally. I think it's a great move from American Express. And I think it shows confidence that we're starting to come out of this or will be coming out of this. And for us travel hackers, it's even better because now we have the opportunity to earn more bonus points from American Express, unless you get that pop-up window. Yeah, and I have a story about that pop-up window this week, but that's actually the second point I wanted to talk about with American Express, and that is we've talked about it in these updates before. Derek and I have check your Amex referral offers regularly because we had talked about there being a 30,000 point offer. Derek had said he didn't have it on his cards. I didn't have it on my cards. I went back and checked a couple of days ago and sure enough, my personal platinum card was showing the 15,000 points crossed out and I had a 30,000 point offer for referral. That's insane. That's an insane offer. It was, it was wonderful. So I immediately thought I need to refer my wife for a business card because she is currently under 524. So I didn't want to get her a personal card. Right. So I sent the referral off, popped over there and was looking between the business gold and the business platinum. And those were upgraded offers for her. Business gold was an 85,000 point offer. Business platinum was 130,000 point. Oof. All right. Those are good offers. And I thought, well, you know, it's 10,000 versus 15,000 minimum spend. If I'm going to spend 10, I can find a way to spend 15. Let's go for the business platinum. Right. And went through the application and got the pop-up. Wah, wah, wah. Oh, that's rough. And of course, I remembered then that my wife had a business platinum card not too many years ago. So we got her a business cold <laughs> card. She was approved. No problem. That card probably arrived today. Unfortunately, I'm in Maine, so yes. we can't get the card and spend on this vacation. But that's 30,000 points for me, 85,000 points for her. And they also are giving that increased point offer on uh, home furnishings or yeah, home... Yeah, four or five points yeah. per dollar for that. Yeah, for up to some ridiculous amount of spend right. um, to anyone who's participating in the referral. So the person who refers and the person who gets the referral. So great offer from American Express. It was not there. I am sure it was not there on my card last week. No, I've seen a few on my own go up as well. And one thing I've seen people do as well is if they're going, if they're using referral link in a public form, 
it may not give an increased offer. So I've been having recommending people to actually go incognito when using your referral link and it's been populating some higher offers for people as well. Yeah. And I actually forgot to point that out, but that's what we did is I used the incognito because you're getting some of those higher offers on the referral, even though you're using the same link, who it's, knows why? Oh, American Express is so frustrating when it comes to their referrals. It's just, just give us one across the board, not these four or five different possibilities. But if you can solve the puzzle, you can get some, you can do pretty well with their referrals. And in this case, we're going to be getting 115,000 points plus the points we get for the spend that we do on that card. So That's awesome. That's a I'll lot of travel. Take them. Yeah. Hopefully we can travel again. We'll get to that a little later. <laughs> Next up, we've got Capital One, and we talked a lot about them on our updates last week because they changed some of their ratios of the transfers. They added a bunch of transfer partners, and now right off the bat, we get the first bonus when transferring. Right. So 5,000 points when you transfer your Capital One miles over to TAP or TAP, Air Portugal. I think it's really nice. It should be a promising move. It won't be a lot of people transferring their points over to them. Uh, for maybe you know sporadic reasons or maybe a particular reason they will be but i think it shows good effort on on capital one's part to hopefully mean that more and better transfers are hopefully coming down the line i love transfer bonuses i love them with amex i love them and occasionally we see them i don't know if we see them with chase much but city puts some out amex used to be really good about it and it's tapered Mm -hmm. off so if Capital One is getting into that game and they're going to start doing bonuses, there is nothing better than wanting to book an award and looking at the two different places you can transfer miles and finding one of them with a bonus because it makes it easy. Oh, totally. Uh, bonuses just it just adds value to people's points 100%. So good move from Capital One. Happy about that. We also had a discovery, but was it really a discovery this week? <laughs> and that is that... If you want to earn even more points for transfer for Capital One, which are now going one-to-one to to several different airline programs, you can do it rather inexpensively because if you get the Saver card from Capital One, you can earn four times points on dining and entertainment, and then that can be transferred over to your Venture card, which can then go to airlines one-to-one. So you're earning four times air miles. Which is awesome. It, that, that's a fantastic value, 100%. And this was, we thought, discovered and first published by Nick over at Frequent Miler this week until a couple of people commented and Dustin went back. And what did you find, Dustin? I, I found I actually posted a video on this back in 2019. So I'm not saying Nick didn't find it. I love Nick's work. Nick is fantastic. So Nick, I'm not saying you didn't find it. Um, I think... At what we're seeing is that Capital One is starting to gain some traction in the points and miles world with being able to possibly combine your points and big bonuses and great transfer partners to where I think people are starting to dig into the program a little bit more and really realize like there's there's good value here. And you had found it back in 2019 or maybe you had read it somewhere, but nobody really cared that much because they didn't have airline transfer partners. They didn't have one-to-one airline transfer partners. But now that that's the case, it's a good reason that all of you should subscribe to Dustin's channel and go back and watch all the videos because <laughs> there's gold back there. There's gold. There's gold with me screaming at the microphone at the time, too. Production value is pretty rough. But no, I mean, Capital One is making some great moves. If they could if they could add just a little bit more to their ecosystem, almost like a Chase Freedom style card, 
I would be hard-pressed to find that you couldn't make a great rotation with Capital One. They've got so much going for them. And they'd have to actually let us get some of their cards, too. Yeah, this is true, too. They got, little, they, got, they got to show a little love to us. That's a little bit tough sometimes. And then the last thing on credit cards today that we're going to talk about is good old Brex throwing points at us. And well, they did, they did just get that extra round of uh, money, so they're starting to throw more money out for their customers. Yeah, and they gave, I mean, huge sign-up bonuses. We talked about it here on the podcast a couple of times. And this week, 100,000 more points. I, I don't know their end game here. Like it, the acquisition cost for these customers is through the roof. And how many, I mean, you know, points of miles people, they'll jump ship. And that's, I mean, when something better comes along, I just can't imagine the acquisition cost and what the break even point is for Brex right now. Or do they even care? I don't know. Yeah. I think they're just trying to bring people in. And that 100,000 points is not just a sign up offer for the card. That's an offer for people who already have the account and have already gotten 90, 80, 110,000 points with those signup activities can now get another 100,000 points when adding PayPal merchant processing, which is, uh, it's not just a button to click. You do have to sign up for a consultation, do a phone call, and actually set up merchant processing. Right. But I understand, I read a couple of reports that it's maybe a 20-minute phone call explaining what you're going to take payments for, that's, and they get you set up, and bam, 100,000 points. I mean, on the low end, that's what, $1,000 for 20 minutes of your time? That That's a no-brainer. I mean, someone, I'll take it. I'll take $1,000 for 20 minutes of my time any day of the week. Yep, absolutely. So that's it for credit cards. Uh, hotels, oddly, nothing major happened this week. A couple like increase whenever you stay at these hotels for some promotions, but nothing really out of the ordinary or amazing. No, which I guess is good because we've seen some big devaluations and a horrible mess the past few weeks. Oh, so. it's, been, it's been pretty rough. So it's good. I My one hotel update that I will give you is I am staying at a Hampton Inn in Bangor tonight. And I was very excited when I pulled up because they have diamond parking spaces and I got to park in one. So, Which is about 10 feet closer than the rest of the people here. <laughs> I'm not even sure it's that much closer. But I was like, ooh, I'm one of those. And I pulled in and my wife promptly made fun of me for it. I, we were joking about this off the podcast, but right across the street from the Hampton Inn is a Hilton Garden Inn. And I don't under, like, I, I'm confused. I mean, they're literally a football throw away. I wonder if they have diamond parking over there. Uh, maybe it's better diamond parking. Maybe it is. Maybe I'll have to pull in over there after we go out to dinner. <laughs> so let's hop over to airlines. A fun update in airlines, something that I'm super, super excited about and almost got to take a look at today, but I flew out of BWI instead of DCA. And that is gate 35X, which has been written up as the worst gate in history, the worst gate in the U.S., a terrible place. Someone called it the depths of hell, I believe. It was, it was an awful, awful gate at DCA that had so many passengers going through it for all of the shuttle flights. And it was you bust out and you had to go down this elevator into this steaming hot death of a place. And then get on a bus if you happen to hear them call it correctly and go out to your shuttle flight. So they have built a new terminal at DCA, at Reagan National, and I'm so excited. I've seen – I've never flown out of a 35X. I've heard horror stories about it, and I read about it all the time on Twitter. And the overwhelming happiness of people that this gate is no longer there is pretty pretty impressive to me. It was such an exciting moment. It was on the local news. Like they filmed them taking down the 35X sign. <laughs> they It was all over the place. And you can probably find that. I think DCA Twitter account tweeted it out. 
but it was i mean it was like a party the last flight that went out of there there were special reporters on it and stuff it was it was it was crazy i kind of wanted to fly that flight and i told chrissy that i wanted to hop on that flight it was like a 905 flight on a monday night and i said but I don't really want to do it because, A, I don't need to go where it's going. Mm-hmm. And I, it was somewhere in New England, I think. And, and B, I'm pretty sure there'll be a problem with it and it'll get delayed. <laughs> and sure enough, that last flight ever going out of 35X had a maintenance delay and had to come back to the gate. That's just way, way to go out with a bang. So it was fitting. I mean, like, I question if there was anything actually even wrong or if they just, you know, one came last, back for old time's sake. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And uh, the next thing in airlines, we have a, a bit of an oddity. United took the lead, and we talked about this, adding some flights to Greece and Croatia and Iceland because those were open to Americans. Right. And this time, Delta is playing catch up and adds some more flights to Greece this summer. They expect to add many more as travel opens. So pay attention, specifically in our case, in the miles and points world, what what is it that new flights are good for? Award space. Award space. I was actually looking because I was looking at a flight to Dubrovnik, uh, and there's the the nonstop out of Newark, and out of Bangor. We only have a handful of airlines that fly here. United is one of them. We actually connected Newark, and it was thirty thousand coach flyer here, thirty thousand miles and five bucks for an actually decent flight. Not like two layovers. It was a stop in Newark for a couple of hours, and then hop on over to Dubrovnik. And I, that was very enticing to me to book. And you even got the connection down to Newark? Down was, to Newark. As part of that? As part Ooh. of it. So it was for 30000 and 5 bucks on the outbound, that's, I'm, I'm very tempted to book it for this fall. <laughs> yeah, and that's, I mean, I don't know. It's probably gone now. <laughs> Not many people out of Bangor are flying, so it's still oh, there. Yeah, you could still hop on that. But keep an eye on those flights. When you see airlines announcing new flights, and if it's someplace you want to go, take a look. Find out when they first load those flights because there's awards available on most of them, and they go quick. Oh, they definitely do, especially as people are itching to get back into travel. Now, we have a couple of sad things in the airline world. Cathay Pacific has announced that they are closing their Toronto and Vancouver pilot bases and possibly more of their international bases. And that's not a good sign for Cathay Pacific. No, no, not at all. It's really sad because I know a lot of, there was some good value in flying that long haul from the East Coast over to Vancouver for people where they had um, like decent business class availability too for people. Yeah, that Fifth Freedom route uh, over to vancouver and they i don't know if they will still have that route or if that route will come back once things open back up maybe they'll open these bases back up at some point but right now they're taking a look at it and they're saying we don't we don't have the need for this we're not flying planes we're not it's just not a good use of our money so those are shutting down hopefully it will not lead to too much less uh, cafe service because they're one of my favorites to get over to Asia for sure in mm-hmm. business class or even in first class. So I don't know. Hope- hopefully we see it come back. Um, hopefully it's just a temporary downsizing to where they can come back up to it and bring it back for people. Cause I know that was a, that's a nice fifth freedom. That's always great. One thing we will not be seeing come coming back is something that will make a lot of people sad, but not, I don't know. I, I don't want to say it's not as serious as closing the bases because a lot of people are taking this pretty seriously. 
But Eva Airlines has announced that they are retiring the Hello Kitty livery. The Hello Kitty plane will fly no more starting on May 15th. Were you ever on the Hello Kitty plane? I'm not, I, I have not flown on the Hello Kitty plane. It was actually one I wanted to fly on. I thought it'd be pretty fun, but I guess they're just putting it down. Yeah, and they had themed napkins. They had all sorts of theming on it. I've seen several other people fly on it. I have not flown on it. I think I'd rather fly on one of the Star Wars planes on a and Yes, totally. For sure. But anytime one of these specialty planes goes away, you have to worry about the rest of them and other airlines mm-hmm. too. So a yeah. sad day for Hello Kitty fans and people that never got on that plane because you only have a couple weeks left to do it. That's right. So moving on to travel. Big news out of Europe, potentially, this week. Yeah. So the president of the European Commissions, there was an article, quite a few places, but the New York Times was saying that fully vaccinated Americans should hopefully be able to fully travel Europe by the summer. Now, they didn't give us any dates. And there was also some excerpts in there saying that individual states of Europe could decide not to let vaccinated travelers or non-vaccinated travelers in or still require some sort of quarantine. So semi-positive news here yeah it's another one of these i this is what we want to do and we talked last week about france saying that vaccinated americans will be there in the summer and i derek said is this realistic and i had the same real reaction to this is yes this is great and it's nice they're saying that but then i read that part that individual countries can say no we don't want to let people in and i thought well this doesn't mean anything it doesn't no, it doesn't mean anything like if it's great if we can travel, but just because they open doesn't mean everything is going to be open anyway. So are we going to a, a new country where you can't really do anything because everything's closed down still or very restricted? I mean, imagine going to Paris and you can't go to the Louvre or yeah, other, you can't other attractions. Go to, or you can't go out to restaurants. You, yeah. can't go, you can't go sit in a cafe and have an espresso so, and a a baguette in the morning it's I'd be really sad like what's what's the experience going to be like if you can just get there and that's it and further this came out on sunday the article in the times and we're now recording on tuesday so two days later and the president of turkey announced a complete shutdown of for turkey which has been a place that many americans have been going to they've been open but starting april 29th and going at least until may 17th Turkey will be completely shut down. So kind of the opposite of what yeah. the European Commission, what France are looking at. And I I don't know. It's I, I don't think it's realistic for them to say, yes, we'll do this when they're not doing so well with the vaccinations over there. Yeah, it's, it's been it's definitely gonna be interesting to see what happens because Turkey, I mean, land wise is pretty close to some parts of Europe anyways, to see how this impacts, especially Eastern Europe, if they've kind of follow suit with Turkey, if they're seeing some outbreaks or do they say, well, we, we need to open up for tourism dollars. So I think it'll be interesting to see. And it's especially bad news for those of us on the podcast and several of our friends who were hoping to go to Oktoberfest <laughs> this year. The mayor of Munich said it is looking increasingly unlikely that that will happen. And there should be an official announcement sometime in the next month. But Sadness abounds with the good news of France saying they were opening up and then this European Commission on Sunday, I was thinking positive thoughts. Turkey shuts down today. I was like, "Uh oh, and then I read that about the 
mayor of Munich, and I thought, oh no. See, to me, that means it's, it's telling me that there's it's more because I would feel like Munich wants Oktoberfest. Like that's such a big festival, probably draws in a lot of people. Does draw in a lot of people. So much money. So, so many much money. people. So for them to cancel it, what two years in a row? That that tells me something still isn't right. Yeah, even we're if, not even seeing the whole of the problems there. Yeah. So to me, like opening up Europe is is good on paper. But what's what's the other side here? So it may be a little bit longer until we get to go to Europe. Womp womp. Womp womp womp. If you do ever get to travel, though, Apple has a new product that may be good for your luggage. It may be good for wallets, purses, a variety of things. They launched AirTags, which are a GPS trackable thing. Um, if you have one of the newer iPhones, you can get down to a very detailed tracking mm-hmm. and it'll tell you like depth of where it is, I guess, in case someone buries your purse. Or you. Yeah. Or, <laughs> you know, you keep one in your pocket so yeah. your family can find you if you're going to a sketchy place. Mm-hmm. But you bought a few of these already, right? I did. They're going to be, they should be being shipped out in the next couple of days to me. And I'm really excited for them. One, we lose our keys all the time. So like they're definitely going on our set of keys. But whenever I travel... I bring a backpack. That's pretty much what I bring. So, like, there's going to be one in my bag. Um, I'm not necessarily sh- – I'm, you know, if someone takes it, great. But if I misplace it, that's what I'm more so worried about is I leave it somewhere and I can go back and get it. Uh, so, for me, it's going to be a great tracking for my stuff. One might go on my baby monitor, too, because I misplace that all the time, too. But <laughs> Put I, one on your baby, too. <laughs> one on the baby as well. But um, I'll be curious, though, because um, when I was in Boston one time, we were traveling. I lost my car in Boston Airport. I was running around the terminals looking for in the, the, the parking lot for about 45 minutes. So if I put one in my car, will it actually help me locate my car better? <laughs> That's actually a really good idea. We had uh, Chrissy one time parked in one of the underground garages in Arlington in Virginia. And she oh. actually called me. She's like, I've been walking around for 45 minutes. I can't find my car. I don't know what to do. And I said, I, I mean, I love you, but you have a better idea where it is than I am. I'm not even there. <laughs> like, what do you want me to do? So if they can help with that, what, what, if they can help me with that, that's well worth it. And I love the fact Apple went non-Apple and let us replace the batteries ourselves. So unlike Tile, I don't know if Tile's even changed this, but they used to be, it would just be when the battery was dead, that's it's it. You, dead. you had to buy new tiles. But the new, the AirTags require, a, it's like a CR2032 battery, just a watch battery. So you can replace it. They can last such a long time. So maybe I should buy some of those because I just had to replace a, a remote for my car battery and I yeah. could only buy a four pack. So, so now I have three extra batteries. So I should probably get AirTags, right? I, I think AirTags can be great for travel. You throw them, put them in your bag. You put them on something that's valuable for yourself. I think, I think they're going to be great for travel. So another fun product from Apple. As you can tell, Dustin and I, big Apple fans. Love electronics from Apple. Love electronics overall, but Apple makes some good products. They do. Quick update for people looking to visit the D.C. area. Smithsonian Museums will be reopening in mid-May. Not all of them, but you can easily find a list online. Uh, We'll try to link up to that including the National Zoo, which is a big one, because that has been closed for a long time. Even though it's outdoors, they haven't had it open. So we're very excited. A lot of those museums will be timed entries. So if you're planning Mm -hmm. a trip to DC, make sure you know the museum is going to be open and try and get a timed entry ticket. They will still be free for the zoo and the rest of the museums, but you need to have a time entry to get in or they will not let you in. So 
some planning involved if you want to head to D.C. this summer. Definitely. And I know I, I think I'm actually looking to go to D.C. later this summer with the family. So that's very exciting news because my kids will love going to the zoo and seeing all the animals there. Yes, we're going to go as soon as we can. I, we said when we get home, we're going to start watching it. And as soon as they open it up for tickets, we're on it. We're going to go. We miss our zoo. Last little bit of a note. I, I guess we we had some negative things in there with the, the European travel. So let's end on a positive, And that is uh, things are looking a bit better here in the U.S. Uh, more and more people getting vaccinated, some more places opening up. And the one thing that we're starting to see, I've seen in a couple of smaller groups, a couple of paid groups, but we're starting to see points and miles groups planning events in person. It's it's nice. It's it feels strange, but it feels nice to be able to like once we start to get back on the road here and get things back on track to have these meetups again and kind of just interact with people who are like minded and just love travel like we do. Yeah, and if you are into the miles and points and credit card rewards and you feel like no one else in your life is and they all think you're crazy, these events that we're talking about are great places to go to meet people and make friends that you will probably travel to crazy places with because totally. those are the people that will say, yeah, I yeah. can go to Egypt tomorrow. I got enough points, right? Let's make that happen now. Right now? Booked. Let's yeah. go. So some of these things happening, uh, I think FTU announced their first uh, travel show and in-person event. I think a couple of smaller groups have announced things. So keep an eye out if you want to go to in-person points meetups. I think they're trying to host the Chicago seminars in person in October. So keep an eye out. Good things coming. Good things indeed. And I think that's about all we have for this week. So I think we're going to end it here and you and I are going to go try out, what are we going to try? Maybe a couple of breweries in the area? Yes, sir. We're going to go off. I think we're going to have, we're going to stop by one local place, get some food or beer, then go to another bar brewery, have some more beer. And you know, we're going to go to another brewery and have some more beer. So lots of beer to be had here in the Bengal area. Sounds like a great way to start my trip to Maine. Yes, sir. (laughs) We'll see you next week with some more miles and points with pints. Well, we hope you had as much fun listening to Stephanie as we did talking to her. It's always fun to learn a little bit about the people behind the scenes of our favorite hotel brands. Stephanie has had some great travel experiences, too. Maybe someday we'll finally end up taking a trip together. All of the important points and links for the things we talked about during our conversation will be in the show notes, so you can pick up anything that you missed the first time through. The easiest place to find those notes is at milesandpines.com. Thanks so much for listening to Miles and Pints, the travel and beer podcast. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe so you can hear all of our new episodes as soon as they're released. Tell your friends and family about us so they can enjoy the show too. And please take a few minutes to leave us a review on your favorite listening platform. In between episodes, you can get more travel and beer content by following Miles and Pints on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. You can also stop by our Facebook page at facebook.com slash milesandpints. Huge thanks to Dustin for sitting in for Derek on our Miles and Points with Pints segment and these intros and closings. Be sure to check out his YouTube channel for the latest in credit card and personal finance news and tips. You can find all of his info and links in the show notes here. And that's all we have for this episode. Until next time, we hope you'll find yourselves a little bit of travel, a little bit of beer, and a whole lot of fun.
Sound. Yeah.